Present Red Wine Dialogues, a podcast eavesdropping on the chat at a dinner table in Suffolk, England. Tonight we have culture, car boots, and a good companion. Joan Chavu and that wandering monologuist and singer, Brian Cohen, along with myself, can be heard discussing the Crab and Winkle a printing apprenticeship, and Lord Kitchener's valet. I, Keith Dursley, am your host. Have you heard how Morris is, Brian? Well, that's what what was in my mind there. uh, So you haven't heard from him? Well, we saw a couple of... um, posts he put on Facebook right? and one he put an eight year old picture on of him up a stepladder in the garden doing the hedge he says these days I can't even hardly get up the stairs to go to bed <laughs> which is a bit grim isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. how old yeah, is he? the last time I spoke to him I mean he, he did kind of feel well, he was able to say yes he's feeling better you know. He but, was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good, good. It is a slow progress, especially with the age that Morris is. You know. It's, yeah. You don't get uh, you don't get better overnight. So no, he'd been. I mean, he had two strokes, didn't he, and a heart attack. I mean, that's I think a it was, lot. I think, yes, yes. A lot to get through, isn't it? It's a lot, yes. Because he liked going out. I bet he misses it, don't you? Oh yes, he used to be. You know, he used to uh, be at all the sessions. Yes. He's the crab and the crab and winkle in oh, Framlingham. Yes. yes, that would be one of his favourites. He used yeah. to take Brenda to that, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, yeah. And I mean, at the low house, he's probably, um, you know, he's been there longer than I have. I think. Yeah. I mean, that, is, that goes back to that goes back just tipping over twenty years. So. Well, he's a Laxfield boy, isn't he? Yes, he is. You're right. He went he to is, school yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Everything he knows, everybody there. Yeah. Well, well, some new people he doesn't. But I mean, there's a particular song I do. Um, uh, Dublin in the rare old times. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that talks about how Dublin changed for this guy, you know, etc. And I remember taking, I think it was June, down to South London, and just showing her where I went to school and. Uh, you know, particular places that we used to go to as a family, certain pubs and all that type of thing. But when I went to see where I used to live, of course, it's no longer there. And even the, even the road had a, a name change. So it's quite, you know, it is a sort of... You know. Sometimes you wish you'd never gone, don't you? Yeah, that's right, yes, yeah. You're absolutely right there. Yeah. And I think you know, the memory's better than uh, seeing what it's like. Yes, yeah. Well, I, I remember I, I was visiting my mum on Gainsborough, and she happened yeah. to mention, I was with Joan, actually, and she happened to mention that um, it was a sports day at Northmoreland Road School, which is where what was my school, you know, when I went there and started yeah. five years old. Yes. And, and I said, let's go round there. So Joan and I went round there, we saw him playing um, 
uh, doing the sports, you know, racing and all that. And um, I saw, I think I, there was one old teacher who I knew, which was incredible when you think that was that must have been about 30 or 40 years. And, uh, and I, I went in and looked at one of the, the old classrooms around the quadrangle. Yes. Tiny little chairs, you know, just came up to my, didn't even come up to my knee, you know. It was very moving. I bet it was, yes. Goodness, again. Yes. In the old playroom and saw the jungle gym we used to climb on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did once try to um, search for my school that I went to, you know, in oh, Burlington. Yeah. Um, and I did find a few photos there of people. Um, and, you know, you kind of wonder, you think, God, oh, you know, where are they now? You know, what are they doing, I wonder? What are they doing? Yeah. What, what has happened to us all spreading out from South London, you know, that type of thing? Yeah. Um, yes. Because our school was, I mean, it was very small. They only had um, uh, a year per class. So it was only sort of four actual classes in our in our building. It's so yeah. small we it's more like a large house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ours was a bit like that. Just had a quadrangle. Oh, It was about two hundred pupils, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you went to a dame school, did you, Brian? <laughs> a dame school. A dame school, they call it. What's that? I don't know the term. That's when you know an old an old woman teaches them all arithmetic. Oh, I see. <laughs> now, when I speak of um, when I say come across certain people and uh, they might be from London, and you always say what well, what part, etc., etc. But times that I've uh, mentioned Bermondsey, which in its day, of course, was a rubbish place. You know, I mean, it was you know nobody wanted to move into Bermondsey. Everybody wanted to move out, so to speak. You know. But now, of course, like the places that um, do get a bit run down, etc., etc., then they begin to um, come back again, don't they? Yes. Gentrify. Move, move into those areas. Yeah, and gentrify them. Gentrify. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because I've, cause I've still got a cousin down there, um, who I've got contacts. Yeah. Do a couple of lines. Just to break it all up. <laughs> yeah, I thought I... Do, 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 um, do, 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 God drinks and bless my soul Feeling good, looking for another world The girls are dancing well Got up and moved like hell Rubber hammers up and down your spine Good Lord, our digs are cheap And we 
don't lose no sleep. Wait like a vulture is just misery. The landlady leaves the money to the cats. Oh, Ted's a jack the lad. And he don't do so bad. Can of beans and crackers all the time. Every single night. We found a dingy hole. Got drinks and blessed my soul. Feeling good, looking for another world. Looking for another world. Another world. <laughs> bless you, bless you. That one's called Lose No Sleep. Yeah. I, I got together some of my phone, found the addresses of some of my old schoolmates from when I was five and six and seven. And I suggested we try and get together for a meeting and managed to get, I think it's about three or four, and a load of other people turned up who were, because I put the name in the paper of the, our teacher, Mr. Bateman. Oh, right, yes. students of Mr. Bateman. Of course, a load of people arrived and they were students of Mr. Bateman. I didn't know them from Adam. Well, I mean, it would have gone over a number of years, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there was Brenda, Brenda Watling who was in my class. So I used to sit next to her and she came. And um, there was Jimmy Dennington, Pat Wilding, and um, I think that was it, and me. And then, as I said, these other students of uh, pupils of Mr. Bateman's. Well, I, I emailed Bra um, Brenda again, and she said, I "Think we've left it too late." She said, "I saw, I saw Linda Rich, who was another girl in our class. Said she wasn't interested in coming, you know. And other people couldn't say, I can't even remember anything about those days, you know. Yeah. I, I remember everything. Yeah." Yes. <laughs> Almost every pupil in my class I, I'd know. Mm. That's amazing. Because yeah. the grammar school where Keith went, they do have a um, a thing on Facebook. So oh, yes. And there's people who you might know. Yeah. Yeah, like it, really. So they keep in contact yeah. with everybody. Yeah. And it's very rare that there's somebody who I know. Well, not, yeah. You know, Maybe uh, not your year. They knew all the teachers I knew, but they weren't my year and I didn't know them, you know. Uh, Did you enjoy um, school, Brian? Well, I just wasn't very good at school. The only reason I... If you I were saw, a boy. Well, yes, it doesn't mean to say I, I was um, particularly good at, at exams. No. Um, <laughs> reason... I think the reason they chose me for head boy was is that I was also the football captain and the cricket captain. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so I commanded, I commanded a certain type of, um, of authority, you know, sort of uh, yeah. over them. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember I played. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't very good at sport. I wasn't very interested in sport. But once I had to go to um, Robeck Road and take part in a nice football school. match. Played them at football, Robeck Road, and um, Chicky Brill was the captain, who's my friend. And um, 
the following day he had to read it out at assembly about a summary of the match you know and I was very moved when he said and towards the end Keith Dursley made a fantastic save were you goalie were you? <laughs> no I, I, I wasn't a goalie but I was happened to be there and I stopped the ball going in <laughs> the year that I left it, um, it had become it was joining in the comprehensive system was coming in, you know. All right, yeah. So we were joined up with one of the girls' um, schools around and then moving to a bigger building. But I didn't stay on. No. I have been sort of really funny enough, I have been reflecting on sort of the past, so to speak. And I was thinking to myself, because, you know, here we are sort of, when you're on your own, so it's been, you know, you've got plenty of time to think about these things. And I was thinking to myself, you know, didn't really sort of get on in school, you know, so you've got football, cricket, and um, you're the head boy, but it doesn't really carry any weight once you leave, once you leave the school, <laughs> apart from playing, I thought. Um, and then I thought, and then you went into an apprenticeship as a printer, and people used to go, wow, oh, printing. Um, but there's many, obviously, types of printing, you know. And this was printing letter headings. And it was it was a waste of five years of my life. A waste of five years. I learned nothing about anything there, apart from when I left, when my apprenticeship finished, I remember going outside the, uh, the factory and I crossed over the road and I looked back and I said to myself, never again. <laughs> Never again am I going to be kind of enclosed in this kind of... It was dirty, it was noisy, the people were so a bit questionable and all that time. You know, it really was nothing to carry you on no. to another time, you know. Hello. It's a shame, um, isn't it? It is, yes, yeah. Really? So I thought myself, what did you do? And then I started to... Um, uh, I picked up a job. Um, in the stockroom in London. This is when I started selling for, not me selling knitwear, but um, it was a knitwear manufacturer. And I was working in the stockroom, a Jewish company, funny enough. Um, it was from there I began to think to myself, this is, you know, because um, you met people, um, various types of people, etc., etc. And you kind of felt that you learned from that, you know, meeting these various people. Yes. But when you're in a factory, this is that's all you've got. You, know, you see those people five days a week, and they're all sort of like, you know, a bit questionable, as I said. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was um, asked by one of the customers, Mrs. G, her name was, um, which was short for Mrs. Goldstein, of course. And, me being a Cohen as well, I was in the right sort of area. Um, she asked me to help her out one weekend um, on her barra in the market, in the East oh, Street yeah. Market, in, in, that was in Woolworth actually. Um, and we got on so well, so to speak, uh, because the person who helped her, Tommy, um, unfortunately was an um, alcoholic. So sometimes he was there, sometimes not. Sometimes he would be, you know, just uh, away for a few days and that time. So that's when I started um, working on the market. Mm. And I remember, I remember saying to my boss, I said, Joe. Oh, I didn't say Joe. Um, Mr. James, you know, 
I, I wanted to sort of make it clear to him that um, when I was working for him, so to speak, you know, he was my boss and I worked within the rules, so to speak, because um, Mrs. G was, wasn't a sort of uh, the most honest of people, so to speak, you know. Um, and I said to him, I said, Joe, uh, Mr. Mr. J, I said, you know, when I'm working with you, I said, that's it. I said, when I'm working with Mr. G, I said, these two are completely separate. I said, they don't think I'm sort of um, helping yourself to a few jumpers or anything like this. You know what I mean? I just wanted him to be clear as that I had a clear line between Mrs. G and the market and working in the showroom in London. So, uh, yeah. And then, of course, Mrs. G did retire. I said to and I said to Mr. J, Mr. J, I said to him when when I was going to uh, go down the market, I said, Mrs. G said, um, when she retires, she'll um, she'll pass on the store to me. And he's puffing on his big cigar with his camel coat on and everything. He said, boy, he said, she's been retiring for the last 30 years. Which <laughs> kind of meant, you know, don't hold your breath, son. <laughs> and I had to say to him, well, I said, what would you do? I said, if you've got a chance of working for yourself. And of course, I knew what he said. He said, well, I wish you luck for you. He said, you'll always be welcome to come down here and get your, get your stock, you know. And that's when it started. That's when I started being self-employed. Yes. So that was around uh, 19, uh, must have been 68, something like that. So did I've you... been self-employed from that time. Did you have a card and stick your stamps on every week? Insurance? No. Um, well, I think it was a very sort of hippie time then, you know, long yeah. hair and beard and all that type of thing. Um, and we, I didn't, we didn't really, uh, <laughs> we didn't really <coughs> concern ourselves with sort of material things or anything like that, you know, yeah. I mean, we were very laid back. And yeah. I remember one particular time that, um, because people would come up, um, young girls would come up, they bought a skirt perhaps or a pair of trousers and they want a jumper, but they don't know how to match the colours or whether something goes with this or that, you know. And um, this was big, we termed as Big Brian, and so I was Little Brian. And it was Colin, my friend, who I went into the business with. And we were the sort of three musketeers so we'd be good at that time, you know. Um, and I remember a girl coming up to Brian, Big Brian, and saying, uh, she's got this skirt, she says, I'm trying to find something to go with it. So, goes around the store looking at messages. And in the end he goes, no, no, no. He says, I can't find anything. <laughs> I mean, we must have had hundreds of jumpers there. But, you know, in his mind, as was in our own mind, you know, if, if we can't, if it's not right, then we don't say, oh, that one would do, or anything no. like that. No. Um, so, yes, it was a... And that was, um, that was another enlightening time. Because when you go down the market, people aren't themselves, you know, they're all self-employed. Yes. And they, are, they have been able to sort of bring their own character to the surface. 
you know, whereas if you're working in an office or somewhere else, you know, they've got yeah. various people, there's various standards that have to be looked out for, you know. Mm. Um, but down the market, I remember saying to myself, goodness me, this is, this is fantastic, you know. Um, characters they they yeah. have to sort of sell themselves don't they sell themselves they as well as their goods you know they do well i was talking i was talking to uh was it was it fred i can't remember who i was talking to it couldn't have been many people because as i say i don't get out now um i mentioned uh, let's say it's all fred i mean i was saying that um oh that's right i was yeah I was talking about going down Pedicut markets and uh, when I was in the market. And I was saying how um, before working in the market, we used to go to um, Holy Communion Church, you know, around our way and all that type of thing when I was at around 12, 13. And uh, afterwards, we would all get together and we'd all wander over to East Street Market. And um, it was packed. And... And of course, the the rules of selling things and um, uh, you know the standards, so to speak, weren't so um, guided, weren't so um, rigid. Uh, strict, you know, eh? weren't, weren't so weren't rigid. So, that's right. They weren't so rigid. And you had, I remember there was one chap there who um, uh, every week, I mean, he had these this oil in a jar these little um, bottles um, I bet you he made it up himself <laughs> but he would be rubbing it into his hair you know, come on here say you know look at this mop up here he said I've got and I put it all down to this he was like a witch doctor coming round or a sort of <laughs> medicine man you know that type of thing God, there was a chap um, who was selling crockery and this was in Middlesex Street in uh, Pedigot Lane in London and it would start off with a massive great turkey plate. You know, it was a massive great thing. And he would start jabbering on, sort of, here we are, he said, let's start off, he says, I've got one turkey plate, here we go, go, go. And he would put eight dinner plates on it, or something like this. And then there'll be eight side plates, and then there'll be eight saucers. And, then, and this is, he's balancing this on his hand. You know, and he'll get to the top, and he'll put a teapot in the middle of it. There you go, right, here we go, here we go, 35, 35, 35. And he would just go down all these prices, and of course, first one he puts their hand up, and put it. You know. <laughs> and I mean, it was such an education seeing all this happening, you know, in real life. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. Uh, it wasn't something on the telly. Well, we didn't have a telly until. Well, I didn't have a telly when I left home. Um, until I was 12, I suppose. But um, you always took the television as being something a bit uh, imitating life. You know? But. Um, when you actually saw it down the market, it really was uh, uh, educational. Yeah. Yes. Just like a Hollywood movie scene. Yes, we're on. We here on the Red Wine Dialogues Logo. have formed a band called Jupiter Rag. We brought out an EP with three songs. It's called Words, Everybody Music and Madness. You can buy it and download it on Amazon. Right the songs the are Cat Girls, All in Pictures and The Sky at Night. I feel like a gunslinger baby or an ape man. 
when I did that song, um, The Streets of London, um, all those things I've seen, so to speak. You know, because it starts off. Oh, yeah, see, yeah. In the, and what you'd see is, is that when the market packed up, you see the old people coming out and they'd be filling their bags with various bits and pieces that the uh, grocers and the food chats have thrown out because they're really all right. You know, they're not that bad. You know what I mean? But if it had a little spot on it or something, then... So that was one sort of thing. Then there was some... We used to go to uh, Bungie's uh, Folk Club. This was in London. Oh, off yeah. Off the Cross Road. I remember that, and yeah. You remember Bungie's, yeah? Yeah, I went to Bungie's um, once. And of course, in the song, um, they talk about... Uh, talk about the bag woman. Yes. And, yeah. And there used to be... Um, it might come to me in a moment... Um, a woman, she'd turn up with all her bags, she'd come down the cellar at the bungees because there was a cafe up the top and she'd do Kumbaya um, such a sort of a, a sweet voice, this old person with her bags see, it was a very, it was such a moving sort of time, you know mm. so that's the bag woman in that um, particular song and of course when you're out and about in London, you often sort of go into the stations and that because there'd be cafes open and things like that. And there would be that chap who's sitting in there with his cup of tea um, and just watching the world go by. Um, nice, isn't it? Yeah, a couple of cups, you know, that type of thing. Mm. When I was in um, living in Bermondsey, when we, my dad used to work at Richmond Sausages. And across the road from there was the uh, became a sort of the local pub because um, you know, my brother and myself we would we would take over when he was doing night work when he went into the pub um, we would just be in the factory this sort of if somebody rings then we'd sort of go and get him you know it's just sort of a bit of a uh, we'd sort of play around in this um, in this food factory um and next door to the pub was a Salvation Army sort of unit. And on that last verse of the Streets of London, oh, yeah. where it says, um, that's, uh, I've seen the old man outside the Seaman's Mission. Yeah. And there were, you know, people of that character, of that type, um, living in those hostels. Uh, very sort of lost and uh, forgotten events, you know. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yes, it's funny how uh, those things sort of are never forgotten, so to speak. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. Yes, yes. Mm. There used to be a chap across from our, from our barrow, um, and he'd sell bananas, and he'd have wooden cases on the back of this truck and he'd prize them over with his um, crowbar and he'd take out like um, this great long sort of uh, branch you could say with sort of six or seven or eight ten bunches of bananas on and massive great things and chopping down he had a couple of his mates um, around his truck 
with uh, newspapers open. And um, they say, right, who's having this one? Blah, blah, blah. And they go through all the prices again. And uh, somebody goes, yeah, I'll have that one. He throws them down to these, these mates. He's got these newspapers ready, ready to catch them and off they go. It was really a, um, as I say, a learning experience, a sort of what, what you can do, you know, that you can, can go your own way, so to speak. You can take hold of your own life. And, you know, it's up to you more than up to somebody else. Was it every day was different on the market, was it, Brian? New people? Yes, and um, it was a weekend market. Oh, was it? So um, that's when we had our money. Yeah. Um, Saturday it was all open all day. Sunday it was open till sort of one o'clock, yeah. one o'clock, start finishing up. Um, then you'd have Tuesday afternoon. Sometimes we'd do a full Friday. And a half day Thursday. All right. Normally the half days around there, you know, half days in the mm. Yeah. Was it an early start? Um, it would have been if my friend or uh, my mate uh, couldn't get up. He could never get up. And it was a bugger it was, because um, you get down the market and, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, and we have, to, we have to pull this barrow through these crowds of people to our pitch, you know. Mm. And you just feel you're a bit behind everything. And it's not a good start to the day, yeah. Uh -huh. Anyway, I did that to say, yes. Do you remember <coughs> when the revolution came in uh, in the line of um, car boot sales? Because um, yes. they didn't exist, did they? They suddenly started... Um, appearing. It came over from America. Oh, right. Yeah. Same as um, farmers' markets. Yeah. Um, it was when I was in Blackpool. Um, I was on this um, gardening project, and we were selling and growing herbs. What else were you doing? You must be doing something else. Um, but anyway, we used to join these farmers' markets and they had particular rules. Um, I can't remember them now. Um, but they were quite a, run in quite a strict way, you know, almost like a bit of a business, I think. Somebody sort of ran them and opened them up in various areas, but they were all run in a particular way, as far as I can sort of remember. Um, but then, of course... Um, you had the farmers and the uh, small producers in, around the areas of, um, of Suffolk. And they started up their own farmers' markets. Um, and I think that was, you know, they came along pretty much at the same time, those car boots. Um, they've got better, the car boots. And they were when they first came out. I mean, stuff was just slung out, you know, not much sort of order or sorting out or anything. I mean, it really was a sort of mm. a large jumble sale, you know. Yes, yeah. Um, not that that was uh, a problem because um, 
jumble sounds around the church uh, oh, yeah. halls oh, were yeah. always, uh, always attraction. Yeah. Well, there, there used to be an annual one at St Margaret's um, Church Hall, which was right opposite. Yeah. Go to that every year with my landlady. She used to get loads and loads of stuff, carpets and um, crockery, because yeah. she actually only lived over the road. You know, someone to carry it over. I used to help sometimes. <laughs> I remember going in there, this massive church hall, right? And there were all these tables spread out and there was a load of clothing in the middle and there were women jerking through all these things. I know. And, and I know. Over, overhead was a big cone of dust. <laughs> you know? I know. Yes. God, some of the... Some of the senses and the uh, smells you had there. Yeah. Oh, wonder where they come from these days. Yeah. Yes. I remember going to, going uh, to one with Carol, and I had a scarf on. She says, "Take that scarf off," she says, because if you're leaning over a load, <laughs> a load of clothing, somebody grabs your scarf. She says, <laughs> "Oh God, yeah." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh. I remember. At one of them, I found this typewriter called a Good Companion as the same typewriter Enid Blyton used to have. And it was, yeah. it was a lovely machine. It was in the box. It even had brushes that you brushed the, the dust off and cleaned the typeface with. Yes, this old yes. lady, it was belonged to this old lady, and I said, oh, how much is that? She said, oh, I'm not sure, I, I, I'm not sure if I want to sell that. I said, I realised she didn't want to sell it to me. So I said, well, why have you brought it in here? She said, well, she said, well, what do you want it for? I said, well, I'm a writer. I write stories. And that she went, well, I, I want to sell it with someone who's, who's works in an office. Yeah. <laughs> well, I write these stories in an office. <laughs> you did. Did she sell it to you? Oh, she didn't yeah. think, I went, at, at, you know, I said, oh, she, she was very reluctant. So I thought, OK, I carried on walking. And, right. and and then towards the end uh, of the when it started to thin out a bit, I'd been there was so much there. There was books and everything. Yes, and I've yes, got quite a pile yes. of stuff. Yeah. And she was still standing there, and there was no one looking at any of the items on her tables anymore. And I said, I said, you're not so you're not selling that. She said, ten pounds. <laughs> ten pounds. I said, that's yeah, a lot. Yeah, I said, so what about a fiver? She said, okay, and I bought it off her, and it was a lovely machine. <laughs> it was lovely. But every machine I had, I was too heavy-handed, and they had to go and be mended or something, you know, or I'd have to get yeah. another one. Was that your first machine? No, no, oh, God. How old was you? I used to stack them up, you know. I thought, well, I know this won't last me more than six months. Or all the letters are out of true, or there's a... You know, something snaps or spring goes, and I, I mean, and to get them repaired was harder and harder every bloody year. Of course, yes, yeah. And dearer yeah. and dearer, you know, it's cheaper to get another, another typewriter. It's well, all you know, like free, Nothing you can free, yeah. computer, you know. But she really didn't want to sell it to me, you know. It was like she regarded I was just going to be messing about, you know. Yes, right. Yeah. I wasn't <laughs> serious. Did she know? <laughs> how right she was. Well, how old? I mean, you said was she quite old? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, a person like that. I mean, 
they're probably very attached to it and they've got some yeah. idea in their head and they want to fulfill that idea, don't they? Yes, yeah. But she worked in an office all of them. You have a lovely, clean bloke in it with a collar and tie. Yes, yes. We should have got over changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you I'm sure you're right there, sort of um, the idea of uh, uh, the dress, you know, the um, whether jeans on or sort of an old coat or something well, like that. Yeah, in those days they, they do judge they do judge the prices like that, you know, yeah. thing. It was a bit of double the price, yeah. <laughs> You've been down Portobello Road Market a lot, Brian, when you were in London? No, no, because that was over in the sort of northwest oh, was of it? London. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, I'd often like to go there. But um, certainly, I remember going, we went over a couple of times because there were some very good clothes shops, you know, of, um, one was called Lord Kitchener, Lord Kitchener's Valet. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that on TV. Yeah. Was that, yeah. Well, that might have been in down near Carnaby Street or somewhere. Yeah. But uh, yes, that was a very fashionable area. Oh, right. And, um, you know, I mean, one would, um, it was like, uh, you go on a pilgrimage to these places, you know, <laughs> because um, you'd heard about them and um, you wanted to make sure that you weren't missing any sort of uh, trend that was coming up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, God, yes. Various places. Down the end of the King's Road, there were sort of few places. Um, World's End, that was a sort of one of the, um, the head shop, you know. One of the first um, selling various concoctions <laughs> and um, teas and uh, Indian-type stuff, you know. Um, in fact, I heard of, um, there was a chap on the radio <clears throat> who he was talking to now, but he he started up what was one of the uh, first, um, in fact, I expect it was one of the only, macrobiotic, um, if, that, if a macrobiotic can be a restaurant, but it was oh, yeah. called Seed. And um, it was really the most basic of places. You know, the seats were all very low to the floor. And um, you had these chaps giving you readings when they've um, thrown the yarrow sticks and the I Ching comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a fantastic place. You, know, you can just imagine, can't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, I tried, um, when I bought the I Ching, I, I did it with sticks. I didn't actually have yarrow. I just went down the woods and picked up a load of twigs. <laughs> and did it did it with the twigs, the twig method, but it's very long and involved. I ended up doing it with the um, coins. You only need three coins. Most people, most people did, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's only those who wore sackcloths um, yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember I consulted it, one of the first times I consulted it about a nurse on the ward. Yeah. And um, I was supposed to go out on a date with her, and I said have I got any chance? And it said, <laughs> it said, the maid is not for marrying. <laughs> it really? Yeah. It's incredible. So you didn't go? Well, I went, but that did turn out a disaster. <laughs> yeah. It was right. Yeah. I don't suppose you asked it again. <laughs> not about her, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
it gave me some damn good advice over the years. Yeah. I still do it now, but I do it on the computer. <laughs> you can do. Oh, no, no, no. Does it work? Yes. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. But there was always, um, you know, for the uh, for the um, I think when somebody's really into it, for the converted, for the sort of the holy of holy chaps, you know, they used to keep it in the silk bag. Oh, it would yeah. be looked upon as holy, you know, some Chinese sort of. Well, you do, yeah, you treat it as another person, really. Yes, that's right, yes. You know, some yes. sort of being that you yes. 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 Do you believe in it, Brian? Well, I, I can't say that I've had um, sort of an experience of it in a sort of um, clear sense, you know. I didn't follow it or... Uh, no. Um, I think I was sort of... Astrology was around at that time. I'd sort of seen some truth from that, from astrology. Um, and you can only do so much oh, yeah. for those things, you know. So I remember this was just a, I think it was a paperback published by a mentor or something like that. It was a very small, you know, book, um, second-hand thing that I picked up on astrology. And I remember going down my brother's. It was completely opposite to me, you know. He thought me in the sort of the, the meditation game was kind of like, you know, crazy and everybody's trying to get money out of you and all this type of thing, you know. I mean, he was just completely opposite to me. He wouldn't take any notice of those things at all. But anyway, I was down there and I was reading through this book and uh, it happened to sort of come in or whatever. And he said, what's that there? What's your book? I said, oh, it's um, astrology. I said, let's have a look, he says. So he reads his particular um, star, which was uh, Aries, um, which is my opposite, in fact, being a Libra. Um, and he read it, and he closed it up, and he, he just waited a while, and he went, you know, he said, I could have written that. Meaning that if he had if he had written down what he was and his character and everything like that, that's what it would have been in that book. Oh, yeah, he was <laughs> impressed. He was impressed. You could tell that because he was a bit speechless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, he's not much. He's never. He's never that sort of speechless. He was always well, sort of. A... You know, I, I when I at the hospital, I'd stupidly, I'd um, I picked up a book on palmistry first of all. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I read people's palms, and yes. he's bloody good actually. You know? yes. But this, I, I was talking about it in the coffee room, and there were all these bloody nurses in there. Some of them I, who I didn't know, and they're very skeptical. Yes. And this um, this woman called Marvin, very nice woman actually, who gave used to give me a lift to work sometimes. Yeah. She said, "All right, Keith, what am I? What 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 am I? What star sign am I?" Oh, star sign. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, "Scorpio." And she went, "How did he know that?" <laughs> because I I don't, I don't know what made me say that. She looked a bit like my friend Mal. Her, yes. you know, set up and that. Yes, yes. Very similar to Mal's. 
But in, in the, on the other hand, your physical setup is not governed by your sun sign, whether you're in no, no. Scorpio or whatever, that's governed no. by your rising sign, which is yes. the, the sign that's coming up over the horizon at the moment of your birth. Yes. That is yes. one that gives you all your physical characteristics, or supposed to be, but nobody has explained, you know, today, a lot of people are born in hospitals. They're born, they're induced, they're born before the time when they're supposed to be born. Joe, there is a, um, a case going on at the moment, I forget where it is, some area in England, um, where a particular uh, hospital um, came, sort of got a bad reputation because um, they weren't listening to oh, yes. the yeah, pregnant. Did you read it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Where they were sort of, you know, bringing, um, bringing on this inducement and, and uh, cesareans um, without really knowing that it was the right thing to do, so to speak. You've been listening to a Red Wine Dialogue called Culture, Car Boots and a Good Companion. Featured were Joan Chavoux and Brian Cohen, that a cappella specialist and teller of monologues. I, Keith Dursley, have been your host. <laughs>